Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Romilar. And I'm Carlos Amesquitz. Nice to have you with us. I look at that open. We were so young back then. So young. It's like <laughs> I have aged like a hundred years. 2019 seems like so last Ooh. year. Yeah, I know. My <laughs> goodness. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Uh, I love that you picked this topic for us to discuss. Because it's a thing. It's a but you don't have any clue. I, how do you how do you even get, I, how do I, you even have this conversation with you? Well, because I learned from osmosis from my niece and nephews and <laughs> my brother and sister-in-law. Parenting little humans is difficult, writes my friend here. Mm -hmm. Parenting is a little difficult. Are you kidding? <laughs> you got to you got to worry about their well-being, their yes. education, their social skills, and if you aren't the perfect parent, you aren't alone. Parenting is hard. The struggle. struggle is real. Yes, it's very real. I know I feel your pain. Research shows a parent commits 4,000 mishaps, 4,000 of them, before their child turns 18, including accidentally teaching kids uh, uh, naughty words, such mm -hmm. as swear words. Mm -hmm. Too much screen time, of course, now that's a thing. That's a thing. Uh, taking their eyes off their child and having him or her fall uh, or fall into the pool or fall or hurt themselves, whatever. That's 220 mishaps per year if you're doing the math. Okay. so. Don't be ashamed of your parenting mishaps because clearly the research shows 4,000 mishaps per parent. That's a lot. That's a lot. No, look, Over you, a lifetime. They don't come with instructions. You only know what your parents taught you right. about how they taught, how they treated you as a kid. Right. And so uh, I was really surprised by this little fact. The age that is the most challenging, guess what it is. Just I... for a second, just think about it for, your, for yourself. I would always think it would be like two to three. Two or three. Yeah. Two or three was really difficult. But this survey that we're talking, you know, about, yeah. talking about says six. Six years old. They're finally independent. They are walking around. Right. They can uh, get into more stuff. They get stuff. into more mischief. They can escape you, <laughs> which is it's a problem. So <laughs> I don't mean to th look at I am not a parent. However, I do have a niece and two nephews who yes. are very young. Yeah. The baby, who's now, he is now two, but when he was one and a half, everybody was going about their business. There's two other kids in the house, mom and dad. Like every, yeah, but the focus is on the little one. Except um, we, they couldn't find him. <laughs> and, then, and then the next thing they know, like 20 minutes later, ding dong, the, the doorbell rings. The baby had... <laughs> walked across the street to the neighbor's house no. because the neighbor has a trampoline that the bigger kids <laughs> use with the neighborhood kids and they use the, the across the street. That's a mishap. That's a parenting mishap. That's Look, a serious I don't mishap. judge. It happens. You cannot take your eyes off your kids for period. a second. And, you know, I had a house full. I had five kids. I don't know how you and, kept track of and, it. And, you know, it was always, we're always like watching what they were doing. But we aren't, we weren't, I wouldn't say helicopter parents like a lot of parents are today. Yeah, it was a different uh, era. You know, my parents <laughs> they didn't have a clue what I was up to. Really? I would, I would, I would come home from school and disappear until dark. I had to be home by dark. Disappear. Completely. I'd be we? down the street on my bike, or I'd be <laughs> down at the park, I'd be playing ball, or I'd be getting into some sort of mischief. Uh, some sort yeah. of trouble. Yeah. 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 I mean, I also remember very vivid, well, not very vividly, but there's photos of it that I remember <laughs> vividly. Um, my father, they were, I was little at the time, I was like yeah. two, one or two, and we, were, we had these concrete steps in my old house, and my dad was taking a picture with me and I was sitting next to him on these concrete steps um, and my mom was taking the picture which rarely ha which mostly happened and my dad I guess 
took his eyes off me for two seconds and, and whoop, you tumbled. Yeah. Bang. Right on your head. Yeah. Off the concrete. Well, steps. that explains a lot. Parenting mishaps. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, so it's happened. Don't feel bad. Don't feel parent shamed about it. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. So uh, this next little fact is really interesting it. because this is true in the Amesco family. Parents do have a favorite. It says, do you have a favorite? Of course they do. They, do they really? 50% of parents say their youngest is their favorite. In our family, Alex, my youngest, you know what we do when we, when we say Alex. His, my, little my little brother. Your little brother. My youngest brother. Alex. You know, when we say his name, we don't just say Alex. Take the two shot. What? We say, oh, Alex, the youngest. Oh. <laughs> we do that. Take the two shot. Because he's so, he's so bossy. Take it's the like, two shot. It's like, like Simba, the lion, the Lion King kid. <laughs> oh, Alex, oh. we say his name that way all the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, and my dad had a special nickname for him, Canuto. He's my little Canuto. He's my little Canuto. And I'm like, and what I, about know, me? What about me? Remember me, Husky? Husky. Remember Husky? That's me, Husky. The one husky. you push aside for. Like, that's funny. See, in my uh, jealousy. Oh my gosh! Really? He got away with murder. I, I was to get spanked every day because I was always getting in, in trouble. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> disappearing Hard all to day. Believe, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my house, it wasn't that way. I mean, the the truth of the matter is. Yeah, you were the golden child. I was the golden child. I was the favorite. <laughs> what a shock! I was the favorite child, and my brother knows it. Yeah, he knows it. Of course he does. But I'm the oldest. Yeah, and so, he's a lawyer. And so again, I'm the best. He's, He's a, a lawyer. You drove him right to law school. <laughs> I drove him right to law school. Um, the other interesting thing, parents, are parents prepared? You said no. there's, they don't come with an instruction no. book, right? So only 12% of parents said they were very prepared when they had a baby. Yeah, I mean, you can read all the books you want. You can watch all the videos you want. Right. You will never know what it's like when that little life comes into your life and you're responsible. Now, there's three of you in the house. And that little one is constantly demanding attention 24-7. It never stops. Okay, so you had, what, how many, five kids? Five children, five kids. Yes, Okay, yes. so at what point, like I know my sister-in-law said one was a hand, one, having one child was a lot. The yeah, first one was a lot. because it's the first one, yeah. And then having two, she's like, having two was no, no big, big deal. deal. Right. But when you added the third, she was like, now... Yeah. It's a, now it's a dumpster fire in our house. Yeah. Like, and so what happens so by what, the time the third one, the third one, if he or she is smart, gets away with everything, because you're yeah. too busy still with the other two, uh -huh. and figures out oh, I can, you know, Slide. they're not paying attention to me yet. So at what point in your family did it become overwhelming? Was it two or three, or was it four? Because you just <laughs> kept having kids, like crazy town. Uh, four was a lot. It was four, four was a lot of kids. That's three you could manage. But you have to understand something. Uh, my children grew up without baby seats, car seats, without all what? the stuff that goes on now that people are so dependent on. What do you mean baby seats? You, you know, like about? in your automobile, the kids just sat in seat belts. That's not true, Carlos. That Babies stuff, had to have. I had a car seat. So your kids had car seats. But not till later. Not when they were babies. Not in the early seventies or late seventies when they were born. I was there born was in the no, late 70s, and I had a car seat. But they were seat. not required, so we just let them run around the back, okay? So <laughs> so we didn't have to take a lot of stuff, you know? Now, no, no, I see my kids with their kids, and they have car seats and bags and, and the, toys and, the, and, and the, drinks and, the thing and they snacks in. and all that. <laughs> it looks like they're moving it's every time. too much. It's so much.
much. It's too much. It's so much stuff. My kids are bouncing around the back. I don't care. Whatever, you know. <laughs> You can't do <laughs> that. Oh my God. Okay, so the other thing uh, that I found interested in this is what surprised parents the most? 50% mm -hmm. said the lack of sleep that they get. Oh, that yeah. doesn't, right? Yeah, like, and you it's get also no hard to get them to sleep. No, no, you as a parent don't get any sleep. Oh, yeah, but, uh, you know. Look. Like, they didn't realize. Yeah. Like, I require, Lisa Remillard requires a lot of sleep. And I know that if I became a parent, I would turn into. A monster because I couldn't <laughs> sleep. A monster more than normal. More than what I am now, girls. Imagine you're no, lucky that I don't have children. Otherwise, you would lucky bear that you the get brunt. A nice <laughs> <laughs> so the other part, 37% said they um, how hard it was. To, they surprised at how hard it is to get a baby to sleep. Oh, the babies always want to stay up. They, if you're right. there, they want your attention. They want they want right. to be able to see you. And yeah. um, and then 31% said they were surprised at All how much stuff. stuff. Yeah, there's just stuff. Why? Yeah. Do, why why is that now? Yeah, I don't know. It's just they're just too much, and, so and the and this you know we had these little folding the pack and play. We had these little folding uh, strollers that were really easy. Boom, boom. put the yeah. kid in. Boom. Now they've got like you know it's like a it's like a massive architectural digest thing. It's like, thing, it's like Tetris. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. But so my kids, my kids love to jump in bed with us. They also like to jump on the bed. They never let us sleep in because they wanted their, our attention. And then they add a dog or a cat to that. Insanity. Insanity. So, so what's the whole, what's the reason for this segment? The reason for it is, is if you're dealing with all of this or any of this or any portion of it, you're not alone. No, you're it's, not alone. It's a thing. It's and normal. Don't get on your, you know, don't feel bad if you have a parenting mishap because studies show most parents have 4,000. Yeah. And don't let people judge you. Raise your family the way you want to raise your family. You'll feel good about it. You'll get over it. Yeah. You'll grow up just <laughs> fine. Everything They'll is going to be just <laughs> All right, we have a great show. Ed Begley Jr.'s yeah, here. Yeah, that's going to be good. I All can't right, wait we'll, to talk to him. I know. We'll take, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Coming up, the Beyond TV music series continues with musician Ariana Tibby. Ariana Tibby is an artist, writer, and musician. Her band Lucy opened for Pat Benatar on her 50th anniversary tour last summer. Now Ari has a new music and is here to tell us all about it. Ari, nice to have you here. Hi. Can I call you Ari? You can definitely. I feel call like really me, close. Uh, like there's a bond here, musical bond. We're friends already. Artistic bond. Yeah, creative <laughs> energy going on. Yeah, I'm Ari. I have to. Oh, nice <laughs> to meet you. Nice to have me. you here. I, I have to say, I watched your videos and and I love your art, but you Thank have you. Uh, there's a richness and a soulfulness about your music that really spoke to me. Thank you. And I think there's kind of an old soul in there. Is that do you feel that? Am I allowed to say that? A lot I think of people so. say you can't say if you have an old soul. It's like a secret. I, I know, but it's but the truth is that I, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I often talk to musicians and artists. Yeah. And not all of them have that kind of a connection with another generation. Because right I'm on. of the older generation who really feels that. Yeah. So okay, nice point there. My parents are um, baby boomers. They're, like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're you know. Um, they they flourished in the 60s and the 70s, and I come from a whole family of artists and bohemian creatives <laughs> who were working in the 60s and 70s as creatives. So I was introduced to the music from back then and the art from back then, and I very much grew up thinking I was w born in the wrong generation. <laughs> oh yeah. So who who were your influences in that space? Janis Joplin, yeah. the Beatles, uh, Led Zeppelin, um, the Doors. And so many more. Yeah. I mean, everybody, 
and and the writers and the journalists like Gloria Steinem I was really obsessed with growing mm -hmm. up yeah. I just I looked to that generation for inspiration because they wanted decoration in every part of their bodies and they they spoke about things that were going on in the world mm -hmm. and in my own music it's really important to talk about the state of culture and have a voice for people who don't always have one in the 60s and the 70s they did that and you tell stories in your music and your songs tell me about the poetry and how that you weave that musically i grew up with a lot of poetry courtesy of my mother who's a writer um so words are always kind of bouncing around in my head and then i'll just grab one when it means something when it kind of strikes a chord um and i'll write a song about it wow I, I understand that, that when you were a little kid, your mom used to take like pens and color and crayons and stuff for you to doodle. <laughs> Don't and, do that. And, and that kind of kept you busy. Yes. And, and I, I think that kind of continues on in your life, right? I Tell always, me about that beginning yeah. part. I always have um, like pens on me now and it's because we would go to restaurants and my mom would bring out her backpack whenever uh -huh. like we were waiting for the food. And my brother and I would doodle on the white sheet. Sometimes they had paper yeah. on the table. You remember those? Yeah. Um, and other times I would draw myself. So these tattoos were originally just pieces I would, were drawing. I was drawing like over and over and over again. Um, constantly just trying to create in every corner of my life. And my parents really encouraged that. Yeah. Yeah. I see the psychedelic phase in some of your art as well. Like some of the pieces that I saw on your <laughs> website. Kind of cool. Thank you. And reminiscent of my era for sure. Yeah. A lot of color, decoration, yeah. patterns. I like it. But but weird patterns, like kind of disjointed and all blending together, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this. The kaleidoscope of uh, the mind thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I get I was, that. I was finding myself in high school, and um, I think art was, was my way of holding on to a certain identity. Mm -hmm. Because you get lost with trying to listen to other people and, and how you should be. But art was my way to, to kind of rebel. Yeah. And I, I found that really comforting. I could put two different colors that didn't make sense or two different patterns that didn't make sense next to each other mm -hmm. and not get in trouble. <laughs> There's no rules. <laughs> I could be a rebel. There was no rules and, yeah, yeah. and no one telling me what to do. So tell know? me about your new music. What's, what, what do we look forward to? What's, what's happening with you? I'm excited about the songs I'm writing right now because um, I just wrote a song on banjo, which I've never done before. And wow. I think I'm being, I think, I, I am being a lot more honest in my work now than I ever have been. And the truth is last year I went through a lot of changes, um, romantic breakups, career shifts. Um, my Van Lucy toured like all year and we released music and it was incredible, but so many of the pillars of my life literally crumbled mm -hmm. that I found how much words have weight and how to bring my true emotions out into the world. And so now I'm doing that in my music. Well, I cannot wait to hear you perform here. So we're gonna take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll hear from Ariane Tibby in just a second. Don't go away.
welcome back to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesco. It's nice to have you back here with us. Uh, I, you know, I travel a little bit. I know. And recently uh, at the airport, a lot of people wearing masks. More than you would n normally think, mm -hmm. right? Because this coronavirus thing, it I, is, uh, people are on edge about it. I think, I mean, I you see it on the news all the time and people are worried about it. People yeah. are worried about, you know, there's a lot of travelers who come here from China. They, there's a lot that's happening. So what is coronavirus? It's a virus that originated in China and is spreading rapidly in that country. And to some degree in ours, in China, the virus has sickened thousands and killed more than 100 people. Well, those numbers continue to climb every single day because of this virus. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control uh, says that as of now, coronavirus is not spreading in the U.S. They're trying to contain it to just a few isolated mm -hmm. spots and mm -hmm. a few isolated people. Mm -hmm. Uh, still, the virus has shown up in several states, including our own here in California, in Arizona, Washington, and Illinois. All of those, um, in all of those cases, the people that were sickened with the virus had recently visited China. Yeah, we spoke uh, to the infectious disease expert, Patty Olinger, about what we know so far. She says that the new virus isn't the only coronavirus out there. So there's a lot of different coronaviruses out there, both in animals and in humans. And, you know, some of them cause common colds, some of them, you know, we don't even realize. Um, there are two very famous ones that we think of, and that was SARS and also MERS, that we've seen, you know, mortality in humans. And so there's a lot that we still don't know about this particular one. Some of the reports are saying that it has some sequence or some MERS-like and some SARS-like um, characteristics, but we still don't know yet. Well, you know, originally you remember when it first kind of was yeah. reported like nobody knew what it was no i no i, I actually i made a joke about it saying it was you know you, from drinking too much corona right 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 but like nobody <laughs> knew like no, they couldn't I mean, even name it, it and it now it's yeah. this and right. now but they're still trying to pin down the exact strain because it's and it's spreading so rapidly in china right, so right. health experts say while the threat of widespread outbreak here in the u.s is low as of right now we still should remain vigilant while we are learning more about this particular strain they say to keep in mind, uh, you may be infected with the virus and it may be contagious before any actual symptoms show up. It has a, like a 14-day incubation mm -hmm. period, uh, anywhere from 7 to 14 days, so that could happen. So what are the symptoms? What should you be looking for? Experts say they're, of course, flu-like symptoms, high fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Yeah, which is like every other disease out there. So you're like, like It well, sounds like a regular it? cold, but that it's a, just a really bad cold. Right, so like I... You know, I'm an alarmist, but like I, so I had this, you know, I was sick for like a week. Yeah. I, with like a really bad respiratory. Last week. Last week, a yeah. really bad respiratory infection. And of course I'm watching the news and I'm like, oh, Ooh, I have coronavirus. coronavirus. And, I'm, and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't go to China <laughs> recently, so I don't think I have it. I mean, the chances are you probably would have a flu, which yeah. is real. The flu is real and very serious this year, this particular strain of flu. So it might be that. So don't. <laughs> freak out about coronavirus. It also hit during Chinese New Year. Well, that's the other and thing. And a lot of people travel to China and from China here right. to celebrate, celebrate the Chinese New Year. So they travel to San Francisco, mm -hmm. Seattle, and Los Angeles. Right. And a lot of people are really worried about that. In fact, as planes arrive here from Wuhan or uh, any place around uh, around yeah. that area, mm -hmm. they're immediately put into quarantine. It's, it's kind of standard procedure just to make sure that it doesn't spread. Mm -hmm. More than 100 individuals in 26 states right now are being tested to determine if they indeed have the coronavirus. 
About a third have already tested negative, so that's a good, good right. piece of that. Uh, so the CDC is in the process of developing a real-time diagnostic test, like you're talking about at the airport, to screen yeah. for this, um, to identify the virus. For now, all the samples are, are being sent. They have to be physically collected and then sent to the CDC in Atlanta to be tested. Imagine controlling this. Remember, remember that, what was that outbreak at Disneyland that happened? Uh, uh, was it tuberculosis? Mm -hmm. Something, something like that happened, and it happened in a place you'd never guess, Disneyland. Yeah. And everyone that went to Disneyland had to be checked. Remember that? Oh. It was a terrible thing. Yeah. So U.S. officials are immediately getting on this. They're doing whatever they can to stop. Uh, what was it? Measles. measles. It was measles. Yeah, measles, not tuberculosis. That would have been horrific. <laughs> <laughs> but measles, bad enough. Uh, I remember that, that, that the Disneyland thing was yeah. really, really uh, serious. So they're doing what they can to stop the spread of the virus and protect Americans. Nearly 240 Americans were evacuated from the Chinese city of Wuhan uh, recently, and uh, they're, of course, being screened for the virus. And they were said, get out of yeah. Wuhan. They yeah. wanted out. Yeah. And so the, the United States chartered the plane to get them there. Not so bad. the U CDC is also beefing up checks for incoming passengers, as we keep talking about, at 20 different airports around the country and two border crossings in El Paso and, of course, in San Diego. And you're going to see those guys in the white suits at LAX probably. <laughs> as Welcome well. to America. Sorry, you may have an infection. We've got to run you through the process. And they're going to, they're going to house them? And they're going to monitor them for the, those two weeks. Yeah. And then let, imagine what an inconvenience that is. And But, you know, look, if, well, you, if mean, it spreads, it can be really bad. Yeah. So China's leaders are also making major efforts to contain the virus, including the immediate construction of a thousand bed hospital to accommodate the growing numbers of patients. I looked at the, the video of this. Mm -hmm. They're making this hospital in 10 days. Isn't that they're incredible? building it. Isn't that there's, incredible? A, there's, a, there's a camera watching this hospital being built. Well, they have no choice. I mean, it, it's so widespread in, in, in that particular part of China, yeah. and they're tr doing everything. They, I know they're quarantining everybody that's in that city. Yeah. Nobody can come around. people, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so they're, they're doing what they can to try and to keep this from spreading because it can get very dangerous if it gets out there. So how can you keep yourself safe? Experts say the steps are really simple, the same things we always talk about. Most importantly, wash your hands often. We touch everything <laughs> and pick up germs everywhere. So it's important at the very bare minimum to keep your hands always clean. Don't, Don't touch, touch your, your face. face. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Uh, viruses are spread when germs make it into your mouth, your noses, and eyes. And if you see that someone is sick near you, uh, stay away. Yeah. If you're traveling, Patty has some advice for you. Well, first of all, we are so much more interconnected than we ever have been in our in the history of the world, and it doesn't take, you know, much for a virus like coronavirus to go from Wuhan, China, all the way to the United States. It just it's one plane right away. That being said, you know you don't know, you know the physical and the the actually the status of the person sitting next to you or a couple seats in front of you. Uh, airplanes have to turn the, you know, have to turn those planes around very quickly, and they don't have a lot of time to really clean in in those planes before the next group of uh, passengers come on. So, you know, I, I'll say, I, and I practice what I preach. You know, when you get in there, don't feel funny about wiping down the the uh, trays or you know where you're going to touch, especially the screens um, where you're going to watch television or on the plane. Uh, Again, you know, bring hand sanitizer with you. you know, obviously, you're not going to be able to get up and wash your hands all the time, but bring hand sanitizer uh, with you, and um, just pay attention to those types of touch points that um, you're going to become in contact with. 
All right, I'm one of those weirdos who cleans everything when yeah. I get on the plane, well, and people look at me, and I'm, I'm wiping everything down. Well, when you put it into yeah. context of um, they, it's true. You yeah. think about it. They don't have time to sterilize a plane no. in between flights or in between destinations. I mean, there's a lot of people that travel there in that close, those close quarters. And the CDC says passengers sitting within two seats or a row of a passenger with a respiratory illness have an 80% chance of coming down with that illness. The so, one thing you don't want is somebody sneezing next to you. Oh boy. So just know that that's real and just Keep yourself and your family safe. I mean, the chances of you getting coronavirus, unless you're traveling to China frequently, pretty are pretty low yeah. at yeah. this point. You're probably more likely to get the flu, and that's a thing in California, and it's a, certainly a thing in Los Angeles yeah. right now. Lots of people are getting sick, very, very sick with that. So just it's good practice, good hygiene at this point right now. I asked my doctor about the flu shot that I got uh, about a month and a half ago, uh -huh. and uh, and I said, does that cover, he says, that'll, look, even if you don't, if it's not the right strain, it still protects your body, you still have antibodies, right. you've built up a resistance, so getting the flu shot, if you haven't, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more. Next, he plays a crime-solving detective alongside Bill Pullman in USA's The Sinner. Meet actor Eddie Martinez. Yeah, you know, in AA, we always say the learning never ends. And I figure I can learn a few things from a veteran like you. Yeah. Okay, here we are. Damn. The car flipped so that cell phone could be anywhere inside. I gotta say, man, I really don't get what you see in this. There's no crime here, is there? No. Not quite. Well, no cell phone. Uh, but the parking brake is pulled up. That wouldn't have happened after the crash. Maybe that's what caused it? Maybe. Mm. After a long wait, season three of The Sinner debuts on USA Network in early February. Joining us to talk about it is Eddie Martinez, who plays Detective Vic Soto. You saw him there with the rubber glove, talking to Bill Pullman, who, what is he, what, uh, it's nice to have you here. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. So Thanks tell me about the relationship me. between these two characters. Uh, okay, well, uh, Detective Ambrose, he's a staple for the show. He's been there since season one. And I'm uh, sort of like a new detective rising star in the Dorchester Police Department. Uh, Bill Pullman's character, Detective Ambrose, has like uh, unique, uh, he's kind of like a loner guy. He has mm -hmm. unique ways to, to solve cases. And I'm just the new guy trying to learn from him and trying <laughs> to get him to uh, play with me. I was like, hey, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? <laughs> Basically, that was. So this, I want to talk about The Sinner because this show has been it, two prior seasons, but it's been quite a while um, between the last season and now season three. What took so long? I have no idea. <laughs> like I just said, I, know, I have no idea what took him so long to uh, start filming again. Um, I know it's an anthology, uh, anthology. You know, so every yeah. this is a, a, new, a new case. Ended close, yes. Right. So you don't need to watch season one and season two to know what's going on in season three. Although, if I do suggest you watch season one and season two, is on Netflix, and it's a really good show. Uh, but I think that has something to do with it. Getting the cast that they wanted together probably is what had. It's quite a cast. I mean, this yeah. season three is awesome. Not only Bill Pullman, but also Matt, 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 Matt Bomer's Bomer, in Chris it too. Messina, yeah. Jessica Hag. Yeah, Carissa and obviously. And is it true that Jessica Beale is the executive producer? She's the executive producer ah. of the show. Yeah. How about yeah. that? Yeah. It's a long way from what? Uh, what was that the show that she was on? Seventh Heaven. Seventh Heaven. I was, was a newscaster it? on that show. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I still get my residual checks, my 48 cent residual checks, but enough about me. So tell me, and you have a wide body of work. You've been working a lot and, and, and you've been playing different kinds of roles. Tell me about where you got your start. How did it all start for you? It all started in college. I auditioned for the school play to get extra credit for a, for a class, because I was shy, I'm still very shy. <laughs> and the guy gave me the lead, uh, lead part, really? the lead role in, wow. in the play. Before you know it, two years later, I changed schools and messed up all my plans. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but like, you know, actors come to LA, I mean, obviously, are, you're not from here, no, right? No, I grew up in New York. I went yeah. to college in New York. Yeah. Right, so, I mean, people come to LA, people go to New York all the time, they like, I'm gonna be an actor, right? Like, but. It doesn't always happen, and doesn't always. You don't always end up on a show like The Sinner. So how did it work for you? I think a little bit of luck and a lot of uh, just staying in there, persistence, and uh, I guess uh, being okay with getting a lot of no's. Yeah, right. Yeah. That I think. A lot. I mean, I, I I say that in jest, but but it really is. I think a lot of my friends that I started. I started out with and are not acting anymore. The only difference between them and me is not talent. They're very good, really good, talented actors, but it's just uh, after a while they just got tired of the hustle, of the grind. Yeah. And I guess I'm just I'm a masochist. I'm good for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what you're really good at, and I've seen you in different different roles. Is you're you're able to to, to kind of mimic accents really well. Like I mean, I can't tell my I can t because I speak Spanish. I can tell the difference between Cuban Spanish and Mexican Spanish and Spanish Spanish, right? And even Colombian Spanish, right? And and you manage to to navigate those, and and so you hear it really well, right? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you saying that because I do. I do work on that a, a lot, a lot. I, I think with the Mexican accent, growing up in New York, my mom had a a really cl close friend that uh, I used to take us, I went to Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, about two summers, and we always would hang out with his family. And so spending like the, that summer in Mexico, two months in Mexico, I really got into the culture, which is basically the same as Colombia, just different accents. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. A different accent. And different, different names to the foods. But yeah, but, uh, yeah I feel like uh, about 15% or maybe 30% of me is Mexican. And, <laughs> and working on that accent yeah. came, came, came yeah. easy. But even when you speak English, the accent is different. So when you speak English with a Mexican accent or English oh, oh, right. with, a, with a Puerto Rican accent, it's different, right? So, yes, yes. So yeah. uh, you've mastered that, too, because I've seen that in your work. Oh, it's I appreciate it. That. Cool. I'm glad you know it. Oh, it's very cool. It's, it's it does to take do. a lot of work. Yeah, tough to, to do. Even, yeah. yeah, speaking in English, even uh, Latin American people have different accents depending what coast yeah. you grew up right. on. My family lives in Texas, so my cousins have a completely different <laughs> accent. So can you do yeah. the Texas accent? I have to work on that okay. one a little bit. Like, I have to work my... Uh, Loose my tongue up to yeah. it, but, but but yeah, I can. can I can. You? Yeah, yeah. That's I always pay attention to to the way they talk. Yeah. 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 So okay, so the center comes out finally. Season three is coming out in February, and yes. now, and you've already shot the whole season, right? It's already done. Yeah, we shot four months in New York in the fall. So and people. So how's are gonna, it end? <laughs> so tell me what are they? What happens with the car accident? A lot, a lot, yeah, okay. a lot of twists and turns. A lot of twists. And, I, I guess the, the season three does build on the foundation of season one and season two. What I, I was a fan of the show before I even got the offer for it. And what I like the most is that it departs from the traditional, like you know who did it, you know who committed the crime, and delves deeply into the like the why, yeah. like the psychological factors of why a, a seemingly normal person would be compelled to kill or. or <gasps> This sounds like my kind of show. I, you love those I love kind of this. Shows. Well, Eddie, we wish you much success. Thank Congratulations you for on coming. season three. And, Thank you. I appreciate and, you guys. And uh, next time, uh, the next project, come back and tell us all about it. I, I, all right. I hope so. And yeah. I hope you've worked on your Texas accent by then. I, 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 I will. Okay. Orale, hombre. Okay. It's not Texas.
Laters. <laughs> Coming up, Ed Bagley Jr. is telling us about his latest role in Bless This Mess and about some of his iconic earlier roles as well. Familiar face, of course, on the big and the small screen, but now he's playing kind of a squatter neighbor <laughs> named Rudy in the ABC show Bless This Mess, a show about a New York couple uprooted to a small town to take care of their family farm. We welcome our pal Ed Bigley Jr. Nice to have you here, Ed. Carlos, Hi. Been a while. I'm Elisa, thank you both so much. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure. All right, so um, Bless This Mess, what a funny show. It's and, so much fun to work on. I, I mean, you play a squatter in I the know. barn. <laughs> I play a disoriented older man in his bathrobe, sequestered to a small area of the property. Kind of sounds like my marriage, Carlos. <laughs> I was going to say, kind of sounds like your home. Exactly. Because your home is a farm. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's right. You know about my home. Oh, I grow absolutely. a lot of my own food. I collect my rainwater. I have a great water system. I harvest my own sunlight, you know, to run the electrical things in the house. I heat my water with the sun, so it's pretty, it's fairly self-sufficient. Yeah, we whistled through your garden. I remember whistling while walking with him in his garden. Isn't so this world is made, tailor-made for him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can relate. Isn't that funny? You were like an environmentalist before environmentalists were cool, I feel like. I've been doing it since 1970, because I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, and I remember that horrible smog. Oh, yeah. You know, horrible I, choking smog. You I grew up. I grew up with it here. It was bad. You're mm -hmm. way too young to know when it was really bad back in my day. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. It was it was bad. bad. Yeah. And so after 20 years of living there, they had something called Earth Day in 1970. So, well, what do you want to do for Earth Day? Not just get together on the day. What's the long-term goal? They said, we're going to clean up the air. We're going to clean up the water. And I knew that we needed help doing both. So I said, sign me up. And I got involved. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I only know two people in Hollywood that, that have <clears throat> carried on as long as, as he has. You and Alexander Paul, they were the first ones to get electric cars and drive them to work right. here in L.A. Thank you for mentioning her. Right. She's been such a soldier for so long yeah. doing that green work, and she doesn't get the recognition she deserves. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. It. And so are you. I mean, but the thing is that now, after all of the years that you've been doing that, it's finally catching on. It takes us forever. Well, people have realized that it makes good financial sense, too, to do these things. If you have a long-term goal, which is to be sustainable, to save money in the long term, it's really a good way to live. Most people look at a building, residential or office building, go, what did that building cost? And you rightly figure labor and materials. That's a good way to look at it. But if you look at the long-term cost of the building, it, what does it cost to run that building? To just look at the labor and materials, that's the iceberg, just the piece above the waterline. Below the waterline is that big chunk, which what it costs to run that building, that home mm -hmm. or office, over you know hundreds of years sure. if you built it right. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So, and, and I feel like the young people, like the, the millennial group, the and younger, is really into this this whole mentality that you've been talking about and living for all of these years. How do you relate to that group? I feel like they would really love you. I, excuse me, I relate to it with awe and respect. Yeah. Uh, Greta, <clears throat> yeah. sorry, let me no. just clear my throat. <clears throat> I, I relate to it with awe and respect. People like Greta are out there talking about it. You know, they really have to do something. They see their future as being compromised by it, mm -hmm. and they want to do something, and they really rally people in a way that people from my generation have not been able to. So mm -hmm. my hat's off. My you know, admiration is with people like Greta. Yeah. From, yeah. You know what I love about Ed? He's got a quirky sense of humor. And, and, and this show is tapping right into your personality. I mean, this role, tell me about the role. I get to play Rudy, a guy that uh, he claims has been allowed to live in the barn for years. 
his great aunt has died. Dak Shepard has a great aunt that leaves him this property, yeah. and Rudy claims that he's been given the right to live there. I'm not so sure about that. We'll see what future episodes hold. He and Lake Bell gets fed up with city life, and they decide to move to the country. It's the new Green Acres. It is. It's all over again. Green Acres for the new millennium. So great. And I'm the wacky guy living in the barn, and uh, my wife will tell you stories. Believe me, there's a lot of me in this character. (laughs) Not that I inspired it. They wrote it long before I ever came and auditioned for it, and I did audition with great glee, because I love Lake Bell, and I love Liz Merriweather, and Dak Shepard is a dear friend of mine. Then when they got... Pam Greer to play my love interest in the show. I just did backflip. Yeah, how yeah, could no you kidding. not love that, the right? <laughs> so fun. So, I mean, you've been in Hollywood. You've been in this game for so many years. I always think it's interesting to, to talk to folks in your kind of caliber about how to sustain that longevity in this business where it's just moved so quick. It changes every day. How do you sustain it over all of these years? Well, I'm very lucky. I got born on second base or maybe third base. I was the son of Ed Begley, an Academy Mm -hmm. Award winning actor. So I wanted to do what my dad did. And though he didn't help me and say, hire my son, (laughs) I got help in other ways because they A, remembered my name and B, had something to talk about in the interview. So I started working in 1967 and, you know, just wanted to do what my dad did. And I began to work, you know, day player parts here and there. So now it's 53 years I've been doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, but see, this is past your dad. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you, of course, were able to kind of want to do what your dad did. But, I mean, you've, you've been in for so long. So it's what been, do you think it is that well, keeps what you I, in? What I figured out after a while, Lisa, was I shouldn't make decisions based on commerce. I should make, make them based on the quality of the work. That can be a stage play, it can be a movie, it can be a TV show. When St. Elsewhere came along in 1982, you know, it was better than any movie script I had been shown. So it was a TV show, yes, but it was such a high quality TV show, I begged and pleaded to get an interview, and I did get an interview for a part as a regular. Didn't get the part, Lisa. Missed the part. I was up for Dr. Peter White, Mm -hmm. played by Terrence Knox, who winds up getting killed like second or third (laughs) season, so I I got lucky. They gave, they threw me a bone and said, well, you can play Ehrlich. We like the quirky thing that you did. You'll play Ehrlich. He'll be in an episode or two wow. or three or four or all of them. And you got an Emmy nomination <laughs> right. for it. I mean, right. you've had such a great career, and we're so happy to have you here. A real authentic uh, Hollywood yeah, personality here at Big League Junior. A man of his word, a man who lives his life the yeah. way uh, he wants us all to live. And we appreciate so much that you're here. And Thank you, Good luck Carl. with this new show. Good luck with the show. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. It's so It'll be on be ABC. It's on ABC. Tuesday nights, ABC. Tuesday nights. Thank you, Ed, for coming. Thank you, Appreciate it. Monday on Carlos and Lisa, he's the son of Edie Gourmet and Steve Lawrence. Now David Lawrence is paying tribute to his famous parents. That was a good show. Yeah, very good show. And uh, we're going to leave you with a little bit of a, a treat. Yes, Ariana Tibby. Um, what a great, what a uh, great. I love her voice. Yeah, what a great musician she is. Um, you can watch us, of course, anytime on Beyond TV. You can watch all of our music series on Beyond TV. B-E-O-N-D dot TV. Also our podcast on Spotify. Check it all out. We're on our app. We're on Beyond TV. We're everywhere. We're now everywhere. Everywhere. See you next Here's time. I-